0: things. Amen? Habakkuk chapter 3, if you'll turn there, um, then we'll go into it. There you go. Just for you. Old Testament book, Habakkuk. So you have Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Third chapter. We'll begin at verse 1. Father, we do come to this place. I thank you that you got us here safely. Help us to, to turn our ringers off our phones. Be established in our seats. We look forward to how you're going to speak to us now. Lord, to remember that when we wrestle with things that we see going on around us. That we are to be watching. To bring us to a place of worshiping. So touch our hearts with this this chapter once again. This little prophetic book that gets ignored so much. um, But Lord, so powerful. So teach us. Minister to us. Strengthen us. Through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the final chapter of this uh, book is in stark contrast to... Chapters 1 and 2. And if you've been with us as we've traveled through chapter 1 and 2 of Habakkuk, that in the beginning of the book that the prophet Habakkuk is 609 B.C., Josiah, the last of the godly kings, was killed up in the valley of Megiddo by Necho, the king of, of Pharaoh. And he had brought spiritual reforms to the nation, but it didn't really take place in the hearts of the people. Because right after the death of Josiah, the people go right back into idol worship. So he's writing during this time, and he has a complaint. He's, he's wondering. He says, Lord, <clears throat> don't you see what's going on with Judah? Don't you see what's going on with your people? Why do you show me all this iniquity, the plundering, the violence, the strife, the contention, the wicked surround the righteous? How long shall I cry to you and you do not hear? And you recall that the Lord said, Habakkuk, I am working. I do hear. I'm doing a work in your day. And I just want to remind all of us. Then when we look around, we see the things that are going on in the world around us, or what's happening in our nation, very similar to what was happening to Judah. We see the violence. We saw the events of what took place uh, in Maine. Just it breaks our heart, doesn't it? And and we see so much of that. Where are things headed? Lord, the, you know, uh, strife, the violence, the plundering, the contention, the injustice, all these things, don't you hear and don't you see? And the Lord is reminding us today that he is working. And to the prophet, he says, I'm doing a work. You won't believe it, though I'm going to tell you that the way I'm working is the Chaldeans are going to be used to bring judgment to Jerusalem and Judah. And the response of Habakkuk was, why, Lord, why are you using them? The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they're worse than we are. And he goes from wondering in the beginning of chapter 1, when you get to the end of chapter 1, he's wrestling. He's really wrestling with the Lord. And one of the lessons of this little Old Testament book is this, that when we wonder and we're complaining and we're calling out to the Lord in that way, as we continue in that, it's going to lead to wrestling. It's going to lead to wrestling with the Lord. And, Lord, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? Uh, Don't you see? Aren't you working? And in chapter 2, the prophet does something that we are to always remember, and that is when we are wrestling with the Lord, we are to put ourselves in a place where we are waiting on the Lord. I want to remind you of chapter 2, verse 1, where Habakkuk writes this, that I'm going to stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, that is the tower, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Oftentimes when we're wondering and when we're complaining and wrestling with things, we, we can lean on our own understanding, even though we don't have it. And we think, I've got to fix this. I've got to come up with a plan. I've got to come up with my own philosophy to try to understand this. Rather than, I'm going to get into that place of quiet, and I'm going to seek you, Lord. And I'm going to seek the truth of your word. And I desire to hear from you. And it doesn't mean that as we go to him, we can't give him our desires or supplications. Lord, this is what's on my heart. But to be in that place where, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to to hear your voice, to know what your word declares to me. And the person that gets away with the Lord um, to seek him is going to hear from the Lord. He's going to honor that. And I want us to notice Habakkuk's heart. He says this. This is very important. He says, I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I will see what the Lord will say to me, not what he might say to me or What I hope he says to me, or this is what I'm thinking he should say to me. The Lord does want to speak to us. But as we do give our desires and our supplications, when we give the honesty of our hearts, that we can go to the Lord and say, I trust you in what you're going to say as you speak to me. Lord, I'm not going to be your counselor. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, who is on the scene before Habakkuk, uh, Isaiah writes, who's been the Lord's counselor? Uh, in the honesty of my life, there have been times where I've been the Lord's counselor. Lord, you should do this in this timing. This is what I think should happen. And it's foolish to, to be the Lord's counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. And in our wrestling with the Lord, may we have the mindset that righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Righteous and true are your decisions. And I may not understand it all, but I'm not going to be your counselor. And may we remember Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of you, you know those verses. "That trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And, of course, the, the theme of the, this book in chapter 2, verse 4, we saw the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by faith. Colossians chapter 2, we're told by the Apostle Paul, just as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. You're justified by faith. You received him by faith. You're to continue to live by faith. And now as we move into chapter 3, the prophet goes from, from wrestling to chapter 2, watching and waiting. And now chapter 3, we see him worshiping. We do read that a prayer of Habakkuk in verse 1. So this is a prayer. It's more like a song uh, uh, because the book ends with to the chief musician with the string instruments. So Habakkuk was probably a Levitical member of the temple choir. So chapter 3, as I said, is more of a song or a psalm, a prayer as we continue reading in verse 2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, receive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. The prayer of the prophet was to do a work of revival. Revive your work. Not revive my work, but Lord, your work that you want to do in me and then through me. Lord, revive a work in our nation. We know that that is something that we should be praying about. I think it's a good reminder to pray for that as we look around and see the things that are going on. And we're wondering why. And where are things headed? We're in such a decline spiritually and morally, economically. You know, all all these upheaval things that we see taking place in our communities. And we wonder why. And where is it all headed? And what is the answer? Or I know that the answer is the Lord. I pray for revival for our nation. And that's what we need. Habakkuk knew that's what Judah needed. And it's interesting, as I said already, that he was writing this when there was Josiah's spiritual reforms that took place, there is a difference between reforms and revival. Revival takes place in the hearts of people, in the heart of a nation. But secondly, personally, I pray not only for revival in my own life, but I also, or in the nation, but I pray for it for my own life. Lord, revive your work in me. It's been a prayer of mine over the last couple of years. When I showed you that little booklet that I wrote, it was written out of COVID. And I remember, and I've shared this before with, with the congregation, there was a time that it was so messy and it was so confusing and that things abruptly came to an end and then trying to maneuver through all of it. And on top of it was a contentious election year and all these things taking place. I remember thinking that, Lord, uh, just wrestling. Uh, maybe my ministry is over. Uh, I've done this a long time. I've been in ministry for nearly 30 years. Maybe it's time for me to just ride off in the sunset and let somebody else do this. But the Lord lately, over the last couple years, as I've just gone in and saw him, said, Lord, help me, speak to me. He's revived my heart lately. He has set people into my life to remind me that God is doing a wonderful work to keep fighting the good fight. And that's what I want to do with you. in the day in which we're in, listen, don't quit. Don't quit seeking the Lord and desiring to please the Lord with your life and being the father, the mother that he's called you to be, the husband, the wife, the the man or woman of God, to be used of him, to be a witness and a light to others that are linked to you in your life. Keep fighting the good fight, the good fight of the Spirit and be a light to others and allow Lord to just guide you as you seek him. That, Lord, revive me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, Lord. Because I am here for such a time as this. And, Lord, thirdly, what my prayer is for revival not only for our nation, for me personally. But I pray for this, and I ask that you would pray for this. Revival for this church. You see, I think the danger of Calvary Chapel Greeley is this. That I've been here for, it's going to be 28 years in January. Many of you have been here for many, many years. What a tremendous blessing. But I hope that we don't become just routine and comfortable. But Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. To see God working more and, and mightily and in these last days, he wants to use us. Let's not get routine. Let's not just get comfortable. And that can happen in our lives personally and in this place corporately. Many of us saw the Jesus Revolution, that movie, and the Jesus Movement that took place in, in the 60s and in the 70s. And I remember hearing stories when I... We'd go to pastor's conferences over 30 years ago, hearing from Pastor Chuck. That, that movie was just a small part of what took place in the Jesus movement. And we don't walk away from that, hearing about that, saying, well, that was nice, that was glorious. No, God wants to work today. He wants to, to bring revival to our nation and save our nation. For our young people to be saved, always remember this. There is hope for our young people, for all people. To give them the gospel, to give them the hope of uh, that is in us, to be able to to give them truth, and and people need to hear it. And notice here in he prays in verse two. Remember mercy. We need God's mercy in our nation. We need God's mercy in our lives. We don't deserve His mercy, but we've you know gotten so far away from Him as a nation. But I pray in wrath. Remember uh, mercy is what He writes. And then in verse 3, you continue reading, God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Shalah. Shalah is found in the Psalms. You see it there. It's a pause uh, to stop and consider this. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light he had raised flashing from his hand, and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. So Habakkuk given a vision of God in his glory. I've read some commentators that suggest it's a picture of Jesus coming in great power and glory. And I can't wait. I can't wait till when he comes back and he sets everything right. Isaiah says at that time that righteousness will cover the earth as waters cover the sea, so it could be speaking of Jesus when he comes in great power and glory, or some suggest that it's speaking of God, his presence his his powerful presence at Mount Sinai, the mountain shook and it was on fire and and um, he spoke from the mountain, and the people uh, would fall on their faces in the glory of God and the pillar of fire and the pillar of of, um, you know, a cloud by day leading the children of Israel as they moved and wandered through Midian, through Teman, and on their way to the promised land. And in my own journey, in my own life, I can look back and be thankful how God has worked in my life. He has guided me and provided for me. And I also look ahead on how he's going to work. Listen, always be thankful for what God has done for you. What he has done for you in the past in saving you and giving you a new heart. And I know that all of us probably have been through seasons of difficulties and hardship. But he has saved you. You and I are the most blessed people in the whole world. Because we have the Lord and we have a future that is so glorious and wonderful. Here we know that Habakkuk on the scene Coming after all those prophets telling the nation that they need to repent and turn to the Lord. How the Lord, remember, he brought you into the promised land. He gave you this land. He blessed you. And we need to remember the blessing of the Lord, how he's brought us out of Egypt. Out of the world into his marvelous light. And know that God, he's not done with this. And he wants to continue leading us and guiding us and working through us. And as we continue in verse 6, he stood and measured the earth. He looked and s- startled the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. Their perpetual hills bowed, and his ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of kushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian trembled. God will pour out his judgment on those nations that reject him. He stood, verse 6, and measured the earth, or it might read that he weighed the earth. Remember in chapter 5 of the book of Daniel that Belshazzar, the pagan god of Babylon, he, he's there, he's toasting to the gods of, of Babylon, gold, silver, and wood, and, and mocking God because they were using the holy vessels that came from Jerusalem to drink their wine, to have this drunken party, to, to toast to the false gods. And all of a sudden, a handwriting on the wall behind uh, Belshazzar And Belshazzar saw it, and he was frightened. He called for his wise men. He called for his magicians. He called for the soothsayers, the wise men of Babylon. Come and interpret this handwriting, and they could not do it. Listen, there's going to be a lot of voices out there. There are a lot of voices out there. They're telling you and me, this is what's going to happen. This is what's coming down the pipe. You and I, they have no idea. bunch of talking heads. And you and I have the truth. We know the handwriting on the wall where everything is headed. That's what we're going to go over in the next eight weeks. But as we consider it, and as Daniel chapter 5, part of the message was, Belshazzar, you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. In other words, you're a lightweight. And your life's going to come to an end tonight, which ended up happening. But as we bring it home closer to us, that it was David that he was one, the sweet psalmist of Israel, that would present his heart to the Lord. Lord, search me and try me. And as we do the same thing, Lord, if there's anything that, Lord, is found in my heart as you measure it. You know, people will come along and, and they'll you know, make comments about you and I, and you ever felt like somebody maybe at work or another family member or friend, they're kind of sizing you up? You know, put, put that aside. Let the Lord, let the Lord minister to your heart. And Lord, if there's anything in my life that falls short, that doesn't add up, the Lord that is not pleasing to you, Lord, help me, be with me. Lord, help me to get rid of that sin, that carnality. Lord, help me as you measure me to be able to continue to move forward in the things of the Lord, to move forward in blessing and growing in the Lord. So here he, he is talking about the Lord measures. He, he knows everything. Verse 8, we continue, O Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses? Your chariots of salvation, your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows, shalah. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon, verse 11, stood in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went, and the shining of your glittering spear. You marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people. For salvation with your anointed, you struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck, Shalah. And in verse 14, you thrust through with his own arrows the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind uh, to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses through the heap of great waters. Habakkuk, remember how I've been powerful enough to save and to work in the past. And I haven't forgotten about you. But I do have a wonderful future. And that should give us assurance and peace and confidence in the present. And it will bring revival to our hearts and to our lives. I can be like you. I can get down. I can get discouraged. And and my faith falters. And when that happens, I can begin to lose hope. And I begin to lose hope when I don't remember how he's worked in the past. And how he desires to, to work in the future. How we have the glorious promise that we're going to go home to be with him. Don't be troubled in your heart. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. That was a comforting word given to the disciples before Jesus went to the cross. And it should comfort us that we're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to be together for all eternity. I, I hope you're blessed. I know that I am to be here on Sunday mornings to, to be with my church family. But the day is going to come when we're all together for all eternity. And I can't wait for that. I can not only trust in Him, but also I know I can rest in Him and what He's doing. And in verse 13, notice you went forth from the salvation of your people for salvation with your anointed, speaking of the Lord's anointed, none other than Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. In verse 16, when I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Remember that when we started this book, that Habakkuk said, Lord, don't you see? Lord do something here. Now in the chapter the prophet knows that Lord you do see and Lord you are working. And Lord I tremble when I see what you will do. And I see that when you do work that the mountains are going to melt, and the earth's going to shake. And Lord you're all powerful and sovereign. And the troops are going to come. When we look around and see what's going on, we need to remember that he's on the throne. And the Lord is working. And he's sovereign. And we do say, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come and bring judgment to this world. But remember what that means for those who are going to be left. That they're going to go through a very difficult time. And we need to pray for them. And we need to pray for the people that we love that don't know the Lord. And there's eternal judgment that's going to come if they don't come to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 17, as we finish the book, these are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. That though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, the land's going to be desolate, There'll be no harvest, no fruit. The livestock will be gone. This is all part of the judgment of God. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills to the chief musician, With string instruments. This is one of the great confessions of faith found in the scriptures. The prophet knows that great difficulty is coming to Judah. Many of the people that he knew is going to go off into captivity. Maybe killed. Taken away from their homes. families split. Never to see each other again. Never to come home again. Uh, Many would uh, be slain. As I said. The land would be ruined. And eventually Jerusalem and a beautiful temple would be destroyed and yet he says, Lord, I will trust you and I will rest in you because I waited patiently on you. If Habakkuk would have depended on his own understanding or his own feelings, which a lot of people do and even Christians do, he would never have made this great statement of faith. And when he looked at the circumstances around him, the condition of the nation, even as we do, And as he is seeing how God is going to deal with Judah using the Chaldeans, he's discouraged. He's wrestling. He has fear, I'm sure. Something happens with us. When we see all that's going on and how serious it is, it can be overwhelming. But when Habakkuk waited on the Lord and looked to the Lord, he would go from wrestling, listen, this is where we need to go. He goes to worshiping. And the Lord, as we look around and see the upheaval that has taken place, the uncertainty that has taken place, that as we wait on him and go to him and trust in him, he wants to bring us to the place of worshiping him. Exodus 14, you know the story. Children of Israel had left Egypt. Here they are, they're backed up against the Red Sea, two mountain ranges on both sides. The Egyptians begin to pursue them with all their chariots. And as I read part of it from, from Exodus chapter 14, I'll read it to you. But again, you're familiar with this account that when Pharaoh drew near, that we're told the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you'll see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. They lifted their eyes. They saw the chariots. They saw the dust of cloud. They, they knew that they were trapped. And they began to cry out to Moses saying, Moses, you brought us out here to die. And Moses says, you lift up your eyes. See the salvation of the Lord. You cry out to him. So the question this morning is the world, Egypt, and Pharaoh about ready to run you over. And the Lord says, stand still and see the salvation of Of the Lord. Because in those times, we can feel like, Lord, there's no hope. Lord, what's going to happen? We begin to magnify the problem, not the Lord. We focus on the chariots coming at us and not Him. And we need to lift their eyes higher and set them on the Lord. To walk in faith means we focus on the greatness and the glory of God. So he waited on the Lord, which would lead to him rejoicing in the Lord, even though the Chaldeans were going to come through plundering them, the land, taking people off into captivity. He would not sing about that, but he could rejoice in the Lord and sing unto the Lord. It's like Paul when he was in prison, in the prison epistles we went through earlier, Philippians, Colossians. In the book of Philippians, he says, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm chained to this Roman guard. I may be executed. And in the uncertainty that Paul was in, but he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Always again I say, Rejoice. Not so much rejoicing in the circumstances, but he's rejoicing in the Lord. And even though Habakkuk's lips were trembling and his legs were shaking, he burst into song and he worshiped his Lord. And that's what you and I are to do. So notice here, mark it, that he rested in the Lord, verse 16. He rejoiced in the Lord, verse 17. And then he would rely on the Lord, verse 19. And he would be strengthened. His feet like deer's feet. And to walk on high hills. He was in the valley, chapter 1. He's in the tower, chapter 2. Now he's on the mountaintop, chapter 3. God doesn't always change the circumstances. But he... The Lord desires to strengthen us to meet the circumstances. Sometimes you hear those of the faith movement say, You're going through a problem, you're going through sickness, this difficulty, because you don't have enough faith. You've got to have enough faith. You know, it's your fault because you don't have the faith. Listen, faith doesn't keep us from difficulties and trials. Jesus said, You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world but faith gets us through the difficulties and the trials as we put our faith in him. And remember this, that the just shall live, what? By faith. Amen. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that we are reminded of these truths in your word. And, Lord, I thank you that that we can come when the times that we wrestle in life and wonder and that we can wait on you, hear from you, To bring us to that place of worshiping you. Because you are true to your word. You are working. You care about us. And so Lord we're grateful for that. Father I do pray for those right now. That maybe perhaps are just wrestling with you. And some area of life. What's happening to them. Or maybe seeing the things going on around in their own nation. That we would all understand that you see. You're sovereign. You are working doing a work that we may not fully understand, but we can trust you, we can rest in in you, and we can rely on you because you are sovereign and you are in control to bring us to that place of worshiping you. Lord, you've worked in our lives in the past and bringing us to you out of Egypt, out of the world, and we have a wonderful future that we're going to go home to be with you. Lord we know that there are those around us that we care for that don't know you so may it give us the urgency to give them truth to give them the gospel to be a light to others as we present our hearts to you if there's anything in our lives that, that Lord that's not pleasing is not being a witness Lord we want to put those things away and Lord we want to, to walk in the light to walk in love walk in wisdom father I thank you for these encouraging words this morning and as we go through this series we want to be wise and equipped in the days in which we're in because we're getting closer to your return we don't know the day or the hour but we know that the one who will come shall come and he will tarry no longer I pray for anyone who's here or listening that you've never made a commitment to Christ. That he went to a cross and died for you 2,000 years ago. He went to the cross because there's a sin problem. All of us have sinned. And he made atonement for your sin and he cried out, it is finished. He did the work. He was put into a tomb and he rose again after three days. He's alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is truly Lord, the Son of God who died for you, and he is your salvation, the anointed one, the Christ. Will you come to him? Today is the day of salvation. No more excuses. The invitation from the Lord is you come. Come to me, all of you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. To turn away from the direction you're going, that's what the word repent means. Repent and turn to Christ and give your heart to him and cry out to him. You can pray, Jesus, I come, and I ask you forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner, and I ask that, Lord, that you forgive me. I believe you rose again. And I ask sincerely you be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me, and I thank you for this new beginning and bringing me into the family of God. Help me to grow just as I've received you, to continue with you in faith, growing in your word and in your love.